0: A word of caution. This episode may contain references to themes that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Parental discretion is advised for anyone under the age of 13. In 2003, a woman named Scarlett Wood went missing from Wilmington, North Carolina. A year later, a tenant living in a rental home in the area discovered skeletal remains in the marshy backyard. The process to identify the victim was lengthy, but once Scarlett's name was given back to her and a suspect identified, police discovered they may have uncovered the work of a long-haul truck driver, who's also a serial killer, with victims in at least three different southern states. There is much to love about North and South Carolina, but the two states have also had their fair share of violent and senseless crimes over the years. From murders on the Blue Ridge Parkway in the heart of big cities or sleepy college towns and along the coastal waters, some of these stories may be new to you. Some may have happened in your town, but all will leave you remembering to always be vigilant about the people you meet and the places you go. Every other week, we'll take a brief look at some of these crimes, solved or unsolved, and learn more about the darker part of our region. I'm Renee Robertson, and this is True Crime in the Carolinas. Episode 39 The Victims of John Wayne Boyer. The television show Forensic Files featured Scarlett Wood's story on season 13, episode 6, titled About Face. The documentary shared how UNC Wilmington professor Dr. Midori Albert, a forensic anthropologist, and a team of student volunteers collected the bones found on the property in Wilmington in 2004. They were able to estimate the victim was female and measured about 5 feet 4 inches tall. Bones told the story of a violent death. The woman had a broken nose, broken ribs, and had been stabbed multiple times in the abdomen. There was no clothing found with the victim. Investigators theorized the killer was local, because the area the remains were found in were off the beaten path. The tenant who discovered the remains had only been living in the rental home where the remains were found a short time, so he was ruled out as a suspect. Investigators worked to identify who the victim was. They looked over missing persons records to see who had been reported missing during the time frame the murder must have occurred. Scarlett Wood's name came up and they discovered she'd been heading to a party at a local motel the night she went missing in 2003. Unfortunately, the only dental records Scarlett had were more than 10 years old, and the bones, discovered, were too dried out to extract DNA. Stomped, police consulted with Dr. Albert at UNC Wilmington once again. She knew there was a procedure called skull photo-video superimposition, where you take a photograph of a person and blend it over the photo of a skull in order to merge the two images together. This helps pinpoint any similarities between the two images. But the university didn't have the technology needed to perform the procedure, and at the time, it would have cost more than $30,000 to obtain. Dr. Midori turned to her husband, Shane Baptista, who served as a computing consultant at the university, to see if he had any ideas of how to mimic the skull photo video superimposition. Shane found a free program called GIMP, or GNU Image Manipulation Program. It is a program similar to Adobe Photoshop. He took a photo of Scarlett and superimposed it over an image of the skull of the unidentified murder victim. They had a match. A test of DNA found inside the pulp of one of Scarlett's teeth helped seal the identification. The police interviewed the tenants who would have been living at the rental property during the time Scarlett was murdered and cleared them in the investigation, as they didn't seem to have any ties to her. No physical evidence of a crime was found inside the home. Investigators next talked to a few friends of Scarlett's, learning she had stayed behind after the motel party to hang out with a man named John Wayne Boyer, who was 46 at the time. Boyer was a long-haul truck driver who told them Scarlett had decided to walk home after the party. They were a little doubtful at first because the night had been a frigid 17 degrees and Scarlett's friends said she had no more than a light jacket with her. But Scarlett and John knew each other because she had babysat his girlfriend's kids in the past, and they had no physical evidence John Boyer had been involved in a crime. A search of the motel room turned up no leads, but it had been repainted and redecorated after Scarlett went missing. A search of John Boyer's van that he owned at the time Scarlett was murdered also turned up no blood evidence. He had no criminal record that anyone knew of at that point. But police kept interrogating him and he finally confessed, admitting to assaulting Scarlett after a sexual encounter in the motel room. He tried to say she accidentally hit her head on a piece of furniture inside the room, and then he left her body in the woods. But Dr. Midori said the evidence left behind on Scarlett's remains showed a more violent attack and stabbing must have occurred. John Wayne Boyer pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in 2007 And was sentenced to 12 years in prison. What the North Carolina investigators didn't know was that John Wayne Boyer's occupation put him in the path of several other unsolved murders. An article in the Daily Herald in Tennessee described how a state employee had discovered a deceased female in an empty parking lot off Interstate 40 in Hickman County in April 2005. The woman was not clothed and had no ID. She was eventually identified as 25-year-old Jennifer Smith from Bucksnort, Tennessee. In December 2007, a match between John Wayne Boyer's DNA and evidence found on Jennifer's body confirmed his involvement in her murder. John Boyer had stopped at a truck stop in Denmark, Tennessee, met Jennifer, and after a sexual encounter in his truck, the two had an argument that resulted in her death. John Boyer's sentence in North Carolina was up in 2017, and he was convicted of Jennifer Smith's murder in Tennessee and sentenced to 30 years in prison. There's another victim who was known as the I-20 girl after her body was discovered in the woods near an I-20 rest stop in Darlington County, South Carolina in 2000. She had been strangled and was eventually buried in a grave in Hartsville, South Carolina. The headstone read, known only by God." It took more than 10 years, but in 2011, investigators held a press conference announcing the victim had been confirmed by DNA to be 33-year-old Michelle Hagadon. Michelle had gone missing in the summer of 2000, and her family knew the mother of two young children had become addicted to drugs and frequently worked as a prostitute. They also mentioned John Wayne Boyer would be arrested for the crime. But by April of 2015, charges had still not been filed in the case. A local news station, WIS News, ran a special report about Michelle. When interviewed by the station, Fourth Circuit Solicitor Will Rogers said there wasn't enough evidence in the case to bring charges against John Boyer. Captain Andy Locklear had questioned John Boyer while he was incarcerated in a North Carolina prison for the murder of Scarlet Wood. He admitted to murdering Michelle, who he had picked up at a truck stop, and said he strangled her with his t-shirt. But Michelle had been found with barbed wire wrapped around her neck, so the evidence didn't completely line up. Four years later, Captain Locklear resigned from his position after being accused by the local sheriff of failing to follow procedure and attempting to cover up what he had failed to do in the investigation, which was collect evidence and and bring up John Boyer on charges of Michelle's murder. Michelle's family is upset that John Boyer still hasn't been charged and tried in the case, and they worry that her case wasn't handled appropriately because she was considered a high-risk victim. The Q Center, or Community United Effort for Missing Persons, put together a website featuring John Wayne Boyer, his confirmed victims, and unsolved cases that may be connected to him. On the site, the mission of the blog says the following. The project is called Long Haul Territory Killer. We hope to combine all the cases we have firsthand knowledge of, compiled together with existing case facts, interviews, and information gathered over the years in reference to any links to John Wayne Boyer made a big break in a more than a decade-old murder case. That's when they identified truck driver John Wayne Boyer as the person who killed a Brunswick County woman.
1: Boyer, however, is already in prison, convicted of two other murders in the southeast. And investigators work to see if Boyer may be attached to even more killings. News 13's Patricia Burkett fills you in on the investigation and what may happen next. In late September, Darlington County investigators broke a case that's plagued their department for more than a decade and in identifying the I-20 girl as Michelle Hagedon helped to connect the dots to the man who they say took her life and the lives of at least two other women that set the wheels in motion to investigators starting to look at other things and that was a validation for me as well with many many other cases that i have and that i believe he's involved with darlington county investigators got a confession out of boyer and hagedon's death and discovered he'd been convicted in the murders of two other women a fact that quickly caught the attention of the q center for missing persons the center recently wrapped up a nationwide tour where they tried to bring attention to unsolved homicides and paid particular attention to cases they felt may be connected to Boyer. We hit uh, the entire I-10 stopping at, at different truck stops and I couldn't believe the people that knew him, I couldn't believe the people that would come forth said, oh we have like five or six Jane Doe's here, um, you know, and, and I'm just like oh my god this is going to be a larger task than I thought. The Q Center set up a website for investigators showing pictures of Boyer in different stages of his life and said since that time, the phones have been ringing nonstop from not only those working to solve cold cases, but family members all across the Southeast looking for closure. If now, you know, Scarlett Wood and Michelle Hagadon and Maria are all connected, then that very well for me is a validation that maybe some of the other ones I have are, are as well. In Darlington County, Patricia Burkett, News 13. Those who work missing persons and unsolved homicides look closely at the unsolved cases of six women killed in Louisiana to see if Boyer may be involved.
0: There's an article on Long Haul Territory Killer called 10 Serial Killing Long Haul Truckers. In April 2009, a reporter named Scott Glover wrote a comprehensive article for the Los Angeles Times titled, FBI makes a connection between long-haul truckers' serial killings. Glover wrote the federal authorities first made the connection between these two around 2004, when they began tracking a string of unsolved murders along Interstate 40 in Oklahoma and other states. This is when the FBI developed the Highway Serial Killings Initiative. In the first four years of its existence, the program helped identify and arrest 10 different men who are believed to be responsible for more than 30 deaths. John Wayne Boyer is now part of this list. A computer database maintained by the FBI has grown to include information on more than 500 female crime victims, most of whom were killed and their bodies discarded at truck stops, motels, and other locations along popular trucking routes crisscrossing the U.S. Reporter Scott Glover wrote, But the pattern in roadside body dumps and other evidence has prompted many investigators to speculate that the mobility, lack of supervision, and access to potential victims that come with the job make it a good cover for someone inclined to kill. You've got a mobile crime scene, one investigator said. You can pick a girl up on the East Coast, kill her two states away, and then dump her three states after that. An FBI agent named Michael Harrigan was also quoted in the article as saying that the Highway Serial Killings Initiative helps local police connect the dots to slayings outside their jurisdictions. He said most of the victims led high-risk lifestyles that left them particularly vulnerable. We don't want to scare the public and make it seem like every time you stop for gas, you should look over your shoulder, Harrigan said. Many of these victims made poor choices but that doesn't mean they deserve to die. Authorities who have interviewed John Boyer say he has also admitted to killing a suspected prostitute in North Carolina. There are four women who have possible connections to John Boyer, and two of them are from North Carolina. The first one is 32-year-old Madeline Cox Thomas, who went missing from Gaston County in July, 1990. At the time, her husband reported her missing and he suspected she was involved in drug use and prostitution. She was also known to disappear for days at a time. A few months after her disappearance, a woman walking her dog near I-85 in Spartanburg, South Carolina, found human remains in the grass. The remains were missing the skull, feet, and one hand. Nothing else was ever found. In 2013, After DNA from the bones was sent to a lab at the University of North Texas, the remains were identified as Madeline Cox Thomas. She had been a mother of two before her children were placed into foster care around the time she went missing. Her husband had passed away in 1998. Investigators said in a report featured on news station WYFF that around the time Madeline went missing, three witnesses reported seeing a man going into the woods with a woman and then coming back out without her. They gave a vehicle description to police. I have to say, based on what I've read, I'm not sure Madeline is one of John Boyer's victims. The timeline is a little earlier than when he reportedly began murdering women, and she didn't go missing from a known truck stop, as far as I can tell. Anyone with information on the murder of Madeline Cox Thomas in July of 1990 is asked to call Crime Stoppers at 888 C-R-I-M-E-S-C. Another possible victim is 26-year-old Rose Marie Millett, who went missing from Wilmington in 2001. About a year later, she was found wrapped in a blanket in an industrial area of town. The back of her skull had been crushed. An article that ran in the Associated Press described John Wayne Boyer as a very large man who has a deep hatred for women. He appeared to have a very short fuse when any woman attempted to argue with him. He was a large man weighing in at almost 300 pounds when he entered the North Carolina prison system in 2007, but targeted victims who were much smaller and more frail than he was. He spoke with disdain about victims he was questioned about, and even his attorney in Scarlett Wood's case said he felt uneasy around his client. To learn more about John Wayne Boyer and his possible connection to other crimes, you can visit longhaulterritorykiller.wordpress.com. To conclude this episode, I want to do something a little different. I blog a lot about true crime and true crime writing and wanted to share something I wrote back in 2019 for WOW Women on Writing, which I think is still relevant today. It's called Three Reasons Female Writers Are Addicted to True Crime here's what it said. Almost every day, I hit the greenway in my neighborhood, earbuds in, for a two to three mile run walk. And 85% of the time, I have a true crime podcast playing to help me pass the time. It's probably not the best choice of entertainment for a solitary workout on a greenway, but I know I'm not alone in my podcast choices. It's an addiction, an obsession I can't break. I even attended a writing conference specifically geared toward crime writers at the beginning of August called MurderCon. It was fascinating. During this conference, where the majority of attendees were women, I'm not going to lie, we sat in classrooms unflinching as actual bloody crime scene photos played out on the screens in front of us. We heard tales of cases from former FBI and ATF agents, law enforcement officers, and forensic anthropologists. I had my own therapist once ask me why I thought I was so obsessed with true crime. I couldn't really explain it to him, other than to say I felt like I dodged many unsavory characters throughout the course of my lifetime, and I always wonder, what if? After doing a little more research on this topic, here are three reasons I feel women and female writers, such as Anne Rule, are so fascinated by true crime. Number one. It teaches us situational self-awareness. I guess for me, the more I know, the more I can protect myself. When I hear stories of the various situations these crimes happen in, I make a mental note in my head. Each time I'm walking out on that greenway, my eyes are always shifting around to keep my surroundings in check. I also don't go out shopping alone at night very often, and if I do... I keep my keys in my hand and my phone in my pocket, so there are no distractions. Number two, it gives us an adrenaline rush. I've seen this mentioned in several articles. Hearing about these crimes and the capture of these criminals gives us a rush of adrenaline we can't say no to. Think about the runaway success of podcasts such as Dirty John, Dr. Death, and Up and Vanished or the Investigation Discovery Channel and the now-rebranded Crime-Focused Oxygen Network. We keep tuning in episode after episode to hear the startling conclusions. And for me, this rush of adrenaline combined with endorphins from exercise makes for a combination I turn to each and every day. Number three. We catch a glimpse of the dark side of humanity we can't explain. For me, it all goes back to motive. I was listening to a podcast recently called 22 Hours, An American Nightmare, and I couldn't wrap my brain around what the convicted killer's motive would be. I always want to dig deeper, to know why so-called normal people do these crazy things, and many writers feel the same way. A lot of the short stories I write are based off actual cases, and other writers do the same. Gillian Flynn, anyone? She was inspired to write the runaway hit Gone Girl after the Lacey Peterson disappearance. I don't think we're all obsessed with true crime because we secretly harbor maniacal murderous fantasies. I think the truth lies somewhere in between. We want to learn how to better protect ourselves, understand people better, and of course receive that addictive rush of adrenaline. This concludes episode 39 of True Crime in the Carolinas. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also now on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, so please like our pages and get started on a discussion of the missing people profiled on the show. Do you know of a missing persons case in North or South Carolina that you think should be covered? Email me at missinginthecarolinas at gmail.com with any details you can share. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Mia Robertson. Thanks so much for listening.